the remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I am Namal Freisen. I'm Eric Anderson. What's up, people? And we are here today to talk about money. I'm wearing my money green. I'm surrounded by all of these men who have money, money, money. How are you going to make your first million? How did they make their first million? How are we going to get money in our pockets? How are we going to get money in our pockets, Eric? It's so easy. Just remember, the first million is the hardest. The rest are really easy. So we're going to tell you how to do it today. We're going to tell you about our guests here today, how wonderful they are. Actually, they're not our, they're our regular guests, but they're, they're going to tell panel. you about how they made millions. I'm going to tell you about how I, I made some money. Um, Just some. Noelle's going to tell you about how she wants to make money. And, Someone uh, talked to their accountant before today. It's going to be really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the it's number like, one thing that you must do to make to make money. Do you have to have money to make money? You don't have to have money. You have to fake it till you make it. Oh, That's so you're saying is. pretend like project, you have money. Project like you have money. Project like you have a lot of uh, success. Um, get that feeling out there of success. You want people to be around you. You want people to want to hang out with you. You want people to think that you're successful. And that's how you start. I don't know about that. Do you always, I mean, if you're pretending to have money and then they found out that you don't have money, then don't you just look like a fraud? Well, you don't say like I have money if you don't have it. You just act like you like you have it. So if you're going to be around people that you've never met before who spend all kinds of crazy money, do some research. Know what a nice watch looks like. Know what some of the cool restaurants are. And you don't have to say, oh, yeah, I go to that restaurant every day. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that's on my list of restaurants that I'd love to go to. I hear it's really cool. Some of my friends have been there. And you just kind of work your way through it and make people feel like you belong in that realm. But that's a whole nother discussion. So. Well, let's talk about making money in real estate, guys. How did you make your first millions in real estate? I don't know. Let's, let's, let's get our power panel. Power panel. We have our power panel. We have Nima. We have Nima Mary, <laughs> who is our legal eagle. He's our rock star deal maker. He is the managing partner at a Mary law firm. And Nima Mary, he knows everything you need to know about the law, but he also is, um, he makes deals. He does real estate deals. He does a ton of them. He buys and holds and sells and does all of that. And then... <laughs> and he makes money. And he no, makes no money. was rigging us here with our chairs all down low. <laughs> Negotiating tactic, guys. And That's then true. we have Omar Sharif, who is the VP of Alexander Anderson Capital Group, but he also is our expert flipper. He's our expert burr. He is, a, he is the author of a book that is coming out soon, mm. How I Made My Millions, right? What is it? How I Made My First Million. Or millions, maybe. Or millions. Yeah. And uh, we are going to, in subsequent episodes, let you know how you can get that book and tap into his mind. He's our, also our most eligible bachelor on the show. There you he go. Is. According to comments and reviews. <laughs> and that's a way to make your first million. Mary Omar. Pimping out Omar. For the ladies out there. But uh, it's all good. All right. So put him out there to work for you. So, uh, you know, everybody always asks, how do you make money? How do you make your millions? And for some reason in this world, everybody thinks that million dollars is that really big number. And it's like, once you hit that ceiling, you just get there and it's just like, you can take a sigh of relief. And, and yes, it is cool. Um, once you get there though, you realize that a million really isn't enough. So, it isn't. Um, but we're gonna talk about how we did it. So it's always a problem, right? So you're young or you're, you're middle-aged or you're old and you're like, how do I, make this money like it's a problem that everybody thinks about people obsessed today there's so much self-help books out there there's so many real estate schemes there's so many good opportunities there's so many bad opportunities and people are just like how do i make how do i get that first million how do i make the first million so nima because you are the rock star deal maker why don't you tell us how you made your first million but before you tell us that what was your problem what why did you want a million dollars like what was out there? Like, what was what was saying? Nima I need likes this to million shop. dollars. <laughs> Nima likes good stuff. So, <clears throat> Eric brought up a really, really good point. Um, this, and I, he didn't say it this way, but this is how I interpreted it. And correct me if I'm wrong. That this million dollar benchmark is what everyone strives for, and candidly, it is the most arbitrary 
and capricious benchmark that exists because should we have another benchmark should it be 10 million should it be 5 million should it be 50 million what should it be so no. I, I like a million a, a million a million conceptually is nice and i'll get into why i think it's it's arbitrary because in terms of what value it has and then you look at well are you talking about being a million neck liquid or doing a million dollar deal or having keep it simple yeah so keeping it simple my it, 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 you just you just have that drive right it was never about a million dollars. Um, it wasn't ever about making one million dollars. You know, my dad used to always tell me, "If you're not a millionaire by thirty, it'll never happen." I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that was sort of what he always reiterated. Um, and Were you a millionaire by thirty? I was. He's not thirty now. Oh yeah, I was. Sorry, I was. So I wasn't. So, <laughs> <You> so <were. laughs> um, <clears throat> from from my perspective, right? Thirty. Uh, you know, if you look at it. And this was the most successful guy to this day. Uh, I, I think I know we're at least top three. So his advice clearly uh, resonated soundly. But although you know I came from a very successful background, one of the things that I started with was was really nothing. You know I didn't start with you know capital or anything else that my dad sort of gave me. His his opinion was you need to figure out how to make it on your own, and that's when you deserve it. Um, so you wanted to prove yourself to your dad. No, I don't think it was about that. Okay. <laughs> I just think that, you know, I knew what level I wanted to be at. I knew who I wanted to be. And I just put my head down and I took the path getting there. I never thought to myself, okay, I need to hit this $1 million mark. I just woke up every day, every year thinking about how do I make more money? Did you make your first million through being a lawyer or through deals? Through so a combination of multiple, multiple efforts, right? So the first was obviously being a lawyer. Um, in my plan to achieve this sort of goal, um, education was a big portion of it, right? I'm not saying that's the same for everyone. Yeah. Um, I probably could have made more money if I didn't you know, spend my time in school. I have an engineering degree, I have a law degree. Um, back in that day, if I just started writing mortgages <laughs> in the 08 bubble, I probably could have made a lot more cash, held on to it, and then bought up half the universe between the, the collapse and the, the reboom. So. And everyone has a different path to their success. That just was mine because what I thought about in that path was, look, that's cash flow, right? Um, also, short of being, you know, hitting financial goals and targets, I knew that I wanted to be a famous and successful attorney. Um, so that was another goal I had. Wait, wait, wait. didn't you just get elected to the board of some big hospital? I am Go the, ahead, pat yourself uh, on your back. Go ahead. I, I am now the vice chairman of the board of directors of Hudson Regional Hospital, which wow. I'm Look very grateful you. for. It was a great honor. Yay. Yeah, the meeting was yesterday and I was appointed. Is that, is that how you made your first million? <laughs> no, no. No, but <laughs> that's what making millions gets you. you start making uh, millions. No, it's not a paid position. It's more of just, you know, a uh, prestigious position. But, you know, these are the things that you start, you know, vying for and these are the accomplishments you start seeking um, after you pass that phase of caring about, you know, just the idea of making money. And so what was the deal that made you, let's say, let's talk about a deal or a couple of deals that got you to a million dollars. So it wasn't a deal that got me a million dollars. Look, very few of the people listening to the show will have one deal that'll make them that much money. Oh. And candidly, if that's what makes you a million dollars, I think that I think you're- you have one. Yeah. I, I disagree. <laughs> I, I, no, no, well, look, everyone's different. but And there are exceptions to everything. But I think if you have, you, you start at zero and all of a sudden you get a grand slam, look, that's unlikely. All right, so let's give us details. Tell us. Let's so go. it was nothing. I, I had a couple small deals. Um, you know, I made some money in the firm. Uh, what I, I took that money from the firm and I bought a real estate project. Um, so you made, made money through my law firm. Labor. You, yep. you worked your butt off. I took that money. I okay. bought a. Uh, I bought a couple PI settlements, a couple other civil litigation stuff. I took that money immediately. Um, I rolled it into before I even bought myself a house. I rolled it into an investment property. Um, I flipped that investment property. I took so that tell capital. Us about that investment property was it big? Was it little? Was it multifamily? So one family house in Oakland, oh. right? Um, I took it, and again, I, you know, I did have some guidance in terms of having you know, help from mentors like my father who sort of walked me through it to make sure I didn't spend too much or, you know, uh, you know. So you did a flip? I did a flip. Okay. So I did a flip, made, you know, a few hundred grand off that. Mm. Um, didn't take that money and go out and party or do anything crazy. Although I do have a pretty, you know, unique lifestyle and I kind of always have, but, um, you know, I, I, I did keep in mind, you know, what portion of that needed to go into the next project. And I continued putting in as many hours as humanly possible in my law firm to build that up as a business, and then I would work the weekends. I have to say that this group of guys here, they work all the time. 
Um, I know Nima, he's like, I, I devote all my weekends to working. I know I get texts and emails from this one at three in the morning. This one, he's a bachelor, so maybe he's having a little bit more fun, but he's still working all I the don't. time. They work all the time. I don't, I honestly, I, I would say that With now to, to your point, I don't really work weekends as much anymore. I do ancillary work, like I'll send texts and I'll be vocal or I'll check on real estate projects, but I'm not sitting there in the office on weekends anymore. More, but but I, work can be a myriad of different things. Well, all right, but in, in any event, we, I was we need doing to that know, until about two years ago. We know how you made your first million. So you made a couple hundred thousand dollars working. You put it into your first property. You made two hundred thousand dollars. Now your net worth is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. What did you do next? Just kept doing that. Okay. Rinse, so, cycle, repeat. Okay. So how many of those did you get? Did you do before you made your first million? Oh, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers of them. Ballpark it. A couple. Okay. So a you couple. did three flips, and they were all flips. Yeah, but I, I I was I made a lot of money through my law firm as well, so I couldn't tell you which one got me to making a million dollars first. Okay, but understand making that million. So there's two ways to look at this, like you were saying before, making that first million doesn't always mean you're keeping that first million. Mm. So there's making that first million, and then there's having a net worth of a million dollars. And I think right? we all want a net worth of a million dollars. It's not that hard to get a business that makes a million. Yeah, dollars. I think a net worth is is really really where it's exciting because if you make that million dollars, right, you have taxes. Okay, so um, Omar, how did you get to your one million dollar net worth number? Um, Author of so, the book. So my book is coming out, but um, <laughs> I started in in corporate, and um, I tried to make a lot of money in corporate, but I always knew that corporate wasn't where I wanted to be long term. So a few years into it, it wasn't going as planned. So I What were you doing in corporate? I'm just curious. Were you like so Chandler Bing? Like what were you? Like no, the so, data entry manager? So right after right after college, I realized um, Who's Chandler Bing? From Friends. Oh, oh my god. Got it. Yeah, so Wait, my, nobody my, made a tech support joke. I was just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was head of IT. Yeah. <laughs> no, no IT in my in my background. But um, in college I realized I was looking to figure out which path to go through to make money, and I realized that there's a saying that if you want to be, if you want to have control of your income, you have to be in a performance-based industry. So okay. for me, that was sales. So I figured out how to get into medical sales, and right off the bat, it was great because they gave me a company car, laptop, insurance, all of that stuff that I have to pay for, and the earning potential was major in, in medical sales. So a few years into it, it didn't go as I planned, and so I looked to get out and get into business. So before I got into real estate, I explored every different type of business that I thought would work, from brick and mortar to online businesses. And I spent about two years on that. Um, and this is after I quit corporate. And I was low on my budget. I wasn't Did making money. Did you lose money a lot of money trying to explore different things? So I lost a lot of time mm -hmm. and money in whatever I tried to invest in, because I tried some online businesses, didn't work out. That's why he said he made his million after 30. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly Whereas it. Whereas Neiman knew exactly what it, he wanted to do. So it's very interesting perspective. Yeah. Here you have a guy who has a direction, sort of, and then here you have a guy who no knows direction. he wants to make a certain amount of money but doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, so when my internet pursuits didn't work out, that's when I got it's back to fan only fans page. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't out back you then. reactivating that? Yeah, I should have back then, but it wasn't. Homer was the magic mic of 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I got into real estate um, full-time, and this was at about 2013. And it was tough. I, I had to max out one of my credit cards because I almost lost my funds. Wow. So Where'd they go? Um, they just on expenses, living uh, expenses. Boats. Really. And so, <laughs> because it's hard to build a business. Did you have and a boat? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the only boat I have is the one I share when I visit your lake house. But uh, <laughs> um, no, so what happened is um, trying to build a business and cover your living expenses is really tough. So my funds depleted. I had a certain amount of savings before I left corporate. And before you know it, um, I had to hustle and get back on, get back to making money. So what did you do? Did you do a flip? Did you, where'd you get that? Where'd you get the money to even start doing sure. real estate? So just by, you know, all those credit card offers that we get in the mail and we just throw out. So I was almost broke and I received this one credit card offer in around the holiday season and said 0% balance transfers. So I had no idea what that was. I called them and I said, what type of balance transfers can I do? Can I put my mortgage on here? Can I put my rent on there? Wow. <laughs> Why are you paying mortgage and rent? <laughs> whatever the case might be. And they said, no, you can't do that, but we can send you a check for whatever your balance amount is. So that was an eye opener for me. I didn't realize that. So my max, uh, my credit line at that point was $35,000. And they sent me a check for $35,000. 
Wow. Which to me was a lot of money back then because it covered, it gave me that much more time to figure out things I wanted to do. So I had to pay a 4% fee, 0% for 18 months. And that was literally, literally my lifeline. So after I got that money, um, I started doing transactions, real estate transactions, uh -huh. invested some of that money back into working with clients. My first year I closed a couple of deals and I jumped right into investments, reinvested that money into marketing and closed some big deals. My second year, my second year I made a good six figures and the rest is history. I just kept it going. So basically that, that credit card really, yeah. really saved you. So would you, would you recommend to people to try that today? Yeah. Not credit card debt at the standard 18%, but balance transfers are extremely powerful. I had a 0% and I had 18 months to pay it off. Wow. Yeah. I wish I had more, but my, my max was 35,000 at the time, so. I think someone was smart and knew not to give you too much. Yeah, well, <coughs> it would have helped if I had it. So um, they can be useful. And then from there, I got into wholesaling. And similar to what you just mentioned, you know, people have this benchmark of a million. Mm -hmm. I had that benchmark. I thought a million was a lot of money. But once you get into real estate, you realize there's lots and lots of people that have over a million dollars. Right. And they're all looking for deals because they don't have time to do deals. So I kind of reversed it. I figured if I don't have a million, let me be the person who's able to find these deals, put them together, and then cater to these people who have a million. So there's a big market for that. So I learned how to do deals really well. I found out how to get discounted properties. And there was no shortage of people buying from me. And I realized it's not about making the million. It's not about having a million. It's about learning how to make, how to put the deals together that can lead to that million dollars. So I went from wholesaling to rehabbing to the Burr method. To the Burr method. I mixed all three of those together. And within a few years, about five years, I more than quadrupled what I had. And then I realized, you know, this is real and sky's the limit once you understand the mechanics of it. So at 35? Right so when did you five. make your, when did you become a millionaire? What year? What age? On November 15th, 11.30 a.m., when I was 34 years old. Really? You remember <laughs> it like that? You, because what happened yeah. is I had a wow, few rentals. That's really day. sweet. Aww. So, so the reason why I remember that is because I had a few rentals, and um, I did the burn method to refinance. I went to the title company at 11.30 in the morning to close, and um, they refinanced and sent me proceeds from three different properties. And I had more money in my bank account than I ever saw, and, I, and it just blew my mind. I love it. Yeah. Jessica has a question for you. Mm -hmm. Jessica wants to know, what is wholesaling? Can you describe that process? Can Good any question, of you describe sure. wholesaling? I don't know what it is either. So, so wholesaling, when I, when I first went into real estate full-time, it was around 2013, and the economy was still recovering from the crisis. And there was lots of foreclosures, short sales, so on and so forth. So I found a couple of deals that I short-sailed, meaning that I helped the homeowner prevent, uh, I helped them avoid foreclosure. And um, I bought the property from the bank at a significant discount. And instead of buying it, fixing it, because I didn't have the funds at the time, I wholesaled it to somebody else. Now the wholesale fee can range from 5,000 to 10,000. It could be up to six figures. So I had a deal where I made six figures on it. So, so basically that's just for, for people that don't have the money. Finding yeah. a deal is a talent. And if you find those deals, you can still make money without actually having that money. So that, that's yeah. awesome. But I, I still don't understand. Wholesaling is buying it, not fixing it up, and then selling it. So wholesaling it is like Omar has a property pre him being a millionaire, and he just needs to unload it. Bank's coming for it. I meet Omar, and I say, Omar, your building's worth, you have an $800,000 mortgage on it. I can get the bank to approve it. Or may say there's no debt on it. Omar just badly needs cash. Mm -hmm. So Omar, I'll give you $500,000, we'll close month. Um, and Omar says, yeah, okay, I need this money. Let's get this deal done. So I signed a contract with Omar <coughs> and now the property is locked in for a number specific, right? Then I go to Eric and say, I know the property is worth 800 to a million. Now I go to Eric and say, Eric, I have this property. Um, it's worth 800. I can get it for you for 700. I give it to you for 750. Eric's happy because it's still underneath what its market right. value is. Yeah. Or alternatively, nowadays you can even sell a market. It depends on the um, supply and demand. And <clears throat> I don't have the money to buy it from Omar in this scenario, right? Um, I knew I never had it in the beginning. And uh, all I had to put up to get this deal done was whatever deposit we negotiated. So in the contract, I wrote 10,000, 15,000. So I ride, I risk my 15,000 and I hedge that yeah. my calculations on this project are correct, that it's worth what it's worth. If it's worth what you think it's worth and you're under enough, you can find a buyer. 
You, then I find it. Eric. Eric says, you know what? I'll buy it for seven fifty. I say, so that's that's great. So then yeah. you've just made $250,000. <clears> in the spread, right? Now, now is where it gets a little bit complicated because back in the day, it used to be easier, right? You would do simultaneous closings. So I would close with Eric's money and then mm. transfer title to Eric. <coughs> Most title companies won't do that anymore. No. So what happens is, you know, you have to make sure there's assignment language in the original contract. And then I will assign the deal to Eric. And my assignment fee at closing will be that $250,000. Typically, what will happen is Omar will be really pissed off at closing because he will he see could have gotten the whole how much more I made. Yeah. But the reality is there's nothing Omar can do about it because if you're a smart wholesaler and you did it right, and guys, it's not that easy because this is where you have to contract it right, Omar can't get out of the deal he made with right. me. Yeah. It's written up. So in other words, the seller is going to be upset because he could have made that extra money. But he made a bad deal. He made he a bad made deal. A bad, he, he actually didn't make a bad deal yeah. because he didn't have the skills to find that scenario. So a lot of people feel that wholesaling or short sales have a negative connotation. I actually think it's an amazing opportunity to help people get through credit issues or get, mm -hmm. get out of problems. So I, I am very supportive of wholesaling yeah. and, and people like that. And you can actually make sometimes more money wholesaling, not on a gross, but on a net. Like I did yeah. a project in Palisades Park where I could have made $45,000 wholesaling it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to because I thought that my upside was over six figures. Yeah. Now, instead of getting 45 and being done and out, I built the project, went over budget, Right, my upside was not over six figures, but even with that being said, it was still more than forty-five thousand. But it took two and a half to three months of my life and all of your time. Exactly. Right, yeah, right. So yeah, at the end of it, I sat there and I said, I would have made less, but it would have been a lot easier, and I would have yeah. been just as happy with that forty-five thousand because I could have looked for alternate opportunities. Yeah. So don't always try to hit it out of the ballpark. Sometimes making a little bit less but making it easier is worth more and than making more and harder. And that's where you have to gauge where you are in your life. So if you're pre that million, like. Omar was saying before, and mm -hmm. he didn't have the funds, and he was lucky enough to to stumble upon the concept, and then smart enough to find the opportunities. It's okay to 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 take that sure thing and make that that money. Um, as you get older, or I'd say as you get middle aged, which is where I am, it's very hard. You're a gentleman of a certain age. Yeah, That's it's very hard. Distinguished scholar. <laughs> it's very hard to distinguish. Give up Not that. Distinguished. I don't, I'm extinguished. <laughs> said extinguished. It's very hard to give up that big picture, and um, it it sometimes I struggle. Like, should I just take the easy way out and make the fifty instead of going for the hundred? You know, so it takes a lot of um, willpower sometimes to to be able to take that easy way out, which is what Nima or Omar was saying that he did in the beginning. And you really have to know who you are as a person, how much experience you've had in that how arena, where you are in your in your in your kind of life life point, you know, when you're younger and you don't have the experience, you do the wholesaling. Maybe during that middle age time, you do you actually do the project. And then as you get older, when you're like in your 70s or 80s, then you just do the wholesaling. Like you kind of just look where you are in life, see how much energy you have. Did you guys forward. did you guys pick up what Eric didn't say? Let's take a deep moment here. He just made his spread talking about different stages of in his life and how he's going to work and plan to work. And he went all the way into his 80s. What Eric didn't talk about was a retirement plan. What Eric didn't talk about is the notion of what he's going to do in the 60s and 70s being the end of it. And that's what makes Eric a successful personality. Because even off the cuff, the concept of building out your life plan to end in your 60s or 70s or your retirement plan or hedging. Eric will never end. You can't end. Yeah. That's what makes a difference, in my opinion, between a successful Thank entrepreneur you. and yeah. everyone out there just trying to make a couple bucks and plan it on the corporate level of compounding your money at a minimal yeah. percentage rate. You know, this idea of retirement is something that was created, you know, in Europe in I think the 1800s. It, it, it's really you got to work until you can't anymore. And Not for the about, money, just to it, do it. It's about lifestyle, <laughs> creating yeah. a scenario that gives you the opportunity to still work, keep yourself active, still bring in some income, and then have the lifestyle that you want. So if yeah. you want to go out to dinner five days a week, you can do that. You can still spend your time eating, enjoying, partying, but you know you work for two hours a day, and it just keeps you active. I think even lifestyle aside, I think at this, we're all at a point where we could probably maintain our lifestyles. I think it just becomes a point of keeping your mind mentally active and keeping mm -hmm. yourself purposed. And then yeah. what we like to do is we like to teach and share it. So I wanted to share, oh, we have a question. Yeah, we have a, quite yeah. a few questions. Okay. So Shaquan wants to know, um, 
the market's so crazy right now. Do you think the opportunities you had to get where you are are still available, especially with the home prices? So, so Nima like, shaking his head no. No. Um, Omar, no. Omar yes. is saying yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say think yes. There's, I think there's opportunities everywhere in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that opportunity could be finding that little old lady or little old man who just doesn't want to deal with something and doesn't care that their house is worth $10 million instead of five. And they're willing to to sell it to you because they like you and give you that opportunity. So it's harder, it's harder to find certain things, but they're there. There's opportunities. But that wasn't the question. Yes, it was. The question was the same opportunity. So, so I'll Uh, say that. um, Do you do you think the opportunities you had to get where you are? So I think. So part of it is you know back when I started. (laughs) It's hard to believe now, but in 2012 and 2013, if you ask most people if they're interested in real estate, they would say no. People were so turned off from real estate because the they got burned. 2007, yeah. 2008. So it was really difficult to get people to invest in real estate. And it's hard to believe that in today's world. Um, so everyone was saying, don't get into real estate. And the opportunities in real estate back then, they were not easy to come by. You had to really understand how to do short sales, understand the foreclosure market, the risks involved. And home prices went down. So if you got a good deal, it doesn't mean you could resell it for top dollar because the prices weren't there. Uh-huh. So the same challenges that you have today, it's different, but the opportunity to, to make that type of money is still there. Yeah, so I'll agree with that. And you know, I think that um, in any cycle, up, down, there's an opportunity to make money in every industry. Yeah. So the opportunity is always there. You just have to find how to do it at that time. But the way I perceive that question is, were the opportunities available as they were then to now? And the answer is no. no. I was buying houses in Oakland, New Jersey for $130,000, $40,000 and unloading them for the threes. They, they, those, you, can, you can't find a condo for $100,000 dollars right. in Bergen right. County now, right? And my, my door to entry was a lot sm- smaller. You need a lot more money now to enter into the markets in like Bergen County. Yeah. Can you do it? Yes. There's, it doesn't have you to be should. Bergen County. It could be anywhere. Sure. Be I'm using anywhere this as just a reference, sure. right? But, you know, it is not the same, right? But that there's other opportunities now because guess what? You're probably 16 years old watching this and just made $800 million on some made-up dog with a mustache coin on crypto, right? Yeah. So there's other opportunities that yeah. exist yeah. that you can make money on. So it's not the same opportunities will not never like be there, guys. Be. Five years from now, the, oppor- you, the people are gonna be sitting there saying, oh man, five years ago, you could have really made money in that area. Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. So you need to yeah. figure out in your time, how do you make that money, but they'll never be the same. Tomorrow will not be the same as yesterday. So what should people be looking to do today? Should they be doing flipping, burring? Should they be doing wholesaling? You ha- uh, you have people to- on here are talking a lot about Foreclosures, is that going to be something that you should go back into? The foreclosure market is is starting to change. Slightly. I, I don't think it's – people are expecting <coughs> COVID to have a big impact on foreclosures. That's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think our Federal Reserve is going to kick in. Yeah. There's going to be regulations. We're, we're not going to ever see what we – in no. my opinion, no one knows this. We'll never see the bloodbath we saw post-08. True. We were just not designed as an economy and legislatively to handle what happened. And since then, there's been a lot of things put into effect, and banks have gotten smarter. Yeah. They didn't know how to deal with that. So they were dumping things on the cheap just to get it off their books. Yeah. Banks now know, you know what? Maybe if we hold it, it'll come back. We don't need to write it off our we'll books. Hold it we don't, and fix it. Right? Yeah. There's so, also a new law coming out um, that's, I think, in the House or, or something, for New Jersey specifically, where in a foreclosure, um, and again, I'm just going to dumb this out from what I remember <laughs> it as, but um, they're giving homeowners that are being foreclosed on or their families the opportunity to buy that house back over everyone else. So they're getting either a reduced down payment, like 3.5%, as opposed to like you would have to come with a 20% check. Did you hear about this? No, that's such BS. But it's out there. Whether it gets passed or not, I don't know. But that's it's bullshit. out there in New Jersey. So if that happens, that's going to also limit opportunities. We're just legislating out free market. Yeah. Well, Honestly, yeah. like that's that's what's happening is we're legislating out free market and we're creating all these cushions for people. And guys, it's not going to affect me, Eric, or Omar. It's going to affect all of you guys who are being denied opportunity to replace someone who misused their opportunity. Everyone who's in that position, there's a lot of people. It could be health-wise. There's millions of different reasons, but there's also a percentage of people who misuse their opportunity, did not manage their finances appropriately, and now they get a third, fourth, fifth bite at the apple mm-hmm. when our free market economy 
and you're all going to hate me for saying this, says that Darwinism says you just need to be pushed down. Someone else, there's 400 million people in this country. Someone else needs to rise. <laughs> Do you want to hit the buzzer? Yes. Well, I Give mean, me I, that buzzer. <laughs> we, are not, we are not playing survival of the fittest here. Which we I, are. Which Every not, day no, we wake not, up. But it's not just in one circumstance. If you want to play survival of the fittest, it's the person that can't pick themselves up and try again. Because you, you all can't tell me that you just did it once and you got it right. No, you're absolutely but, th right. but that's my point. But like, so if you fail, we all failed. No one bailed us out. We got back up. But now with all this legislation, you fail. No one, you don't need to pick yourself back up. The government just stepped in and did it for you. And now that opportunity, which could have paid for someone else to rise up, is now taken away from them. Yeah. There are changes. And again, the government changes. The rules change all the time. The all trick is boys, just girls. be open-minded. Look for opportunities. If you identify with They are out there. Um, there are lots of opportunities. Well, you know, Disney World changed all the rules now. But there's lots of opportunities out there, and um, I think you will find them. We find them. Look, we're still looking. We find stuff every day. You know, I just found an opportunity um, in, a, in a town by where we are where we're just in the right place at the right time, and we're getting something that's $200,000 below market. It happens. It happens. You have to be out there. You have to be willing to take a stab. You have to be willing to try. Don't take no for an answer. Yep. Don't give up. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. You know, we were talking about people that if you didn't make your million in the first, um, if you who you said if you don't have your no, million. No, that's what my dad used to tell before me. Before 30. So I know a guy who I'm actually, uh, who I'm very close with a mentor of mine who didn't make his first million until he was 55 years old. Wow. Okay. And then not only did he make his first million, but he made his first lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of millions. Yeah. So and he's still going now at like old. Well, I would call him old. He's, he's gonna old. come on this show and slap <laughs> us all, right? He's older. But money you know, makes money. Money, money. If you have the the fortitude, and this guy, his education level was very very low, um, and he just school of hard knocks. He grew up in a time where he had to figure it out on his own. Um, and he did it, and he just kept trying, and he tried everything, like Omar. He, Omar tried like 15 different businesses before he landed on real tried. estate. So, you know, he got it, he landed it. You know, not everybody is as lucky as Nima to have like that direction mm. and know what, what he wants I, I, to do. I've had a lot of failures. I've had tech companies I've started. I've lost six figures in companies, right? So not everyone hits. The difference is between sort of what I'm talking about and I think what everyone else is talking about is, and I should have been more clear, not everything is planned and perfect, is that I wake up every day and I continue to grind. I'm reading this really good book. It's called Atomic Habits. And something in it was really interesting because it talks about people who set benchmarks that are material, like a million dollars, like you know, selling five houses. That is a horrible way to, to, to plan your life because if you hit that benchmark, you've now lost your motivating factor. Yeah. They say change your character, change who you are, change your, your mannerisms to be that, that type of person, right? Yeah. Don't think about, and I don't think about how much money, I, I couldn't tell you how much money I made last year. I just think about making money. I, can't, I couldn't tell you, you know, how many properties, I could, probably could if I sat, but, you know, for me, it's not the, like, okay, I made 100,000, I made 1 million. It's, I made as much money as I could, yeah. and I worked as hard as I wanted to. I'm past the point of working as hard as I could. Now I work as hard as I want to, knowing that Monday through Friday, I need to, if I'm going to bed, I need to, I need to crash, and then I give the weekends to my family. But I've worked my way to that point. There you go. So, so let me tell you, a little bit about how I did it. Oh, good. We get okay. to hear you talk. About so my story is a little bit different than both of these guys. Dollar so. bills in his thumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had no interest in real estate at all. Zero interest. My family had a business. I was all about that business. I kind of had a direction like like you did. Um, I knew where I was going. I When I went to college, I was like, I'm going to go run the family business. And that's what I wanted to do. Real estate was never even a thought for me. Um, then as I started to make some money, I think I, like my family dynamics changed and I'm like, all right, at some point I have to figure out where I'm gonna be living. So um, I was probably just graduating college and I was like, what is that, 23, 22, 24? 22. Somewhere, 22. whatever. 21. Um, and I'm like, shit, I gotta get out of the house. Um, my parents got divorced, so I had different living scenarios. Who do I live with? You know, both of them. Yeah had other people now and you know did you have money to start with 
so I worked since I was 12. I was never like a sports guy. I was always a worker. So like when I was 12 years old, I'd go to the, and it's easy when you have a family business, you could just show up and work and they pay you yeah. because I guess they feel obligated. So um, I would just I go. like your family, man. <laughs> I'd show up work. And my payment was my existence. Yeah. So no, I, I would get paid. So I would say like, yeah. I probably had raised about 30 or $40,000 by the time I was 23. And this is How do you way back. spend that? Like because at that age, at that maturity level, with that much money sitting around, how do you avoid not squandering that? Because what I didn't even, I wouldn't have even known what to spend it on. I worked all the time as a kid, so and whenever we did stuff, like my family always paid if we went to on trips or went to New York City for shows or dinners. Like someone always paid for me. So you when know, you're out with your friends, you could be in the cl city clubbing. Like, my friends were what, not. What we were not personality. You, you got to be balling a, on a he budget. Wasn't, he wasn't a party. Like he isn't. The, he wasn't the party animal that he is now. Like now, Eric is a party animal. But he wasn't a party animal back then. I well, think look, you probably were a sweet boy. Well, I'm, pro I'm proving a point yeah. to the people That's listening, okay, right? Because you guys are out there with forty thousand dollars in your bank account, talking about what Rolex you're going to buy and which BMW you're going to lease. Yes. So right. I didn't have the Rolex. I did pay for my. I did have two cars in college, but. But um, I had to, sadly, I had to sell my Sahara, my beautiful 1997 Sahara Jeep Wrangler because I wanted a house and I couldn't have two cars and a house. And anyway, so I was like culture shock because I grew up in a, in a quasi affluent area and I'm like, where am I going to live? So for the money that I had, um, I don't know how to say this politically correct, but I had to live in like an area that I wasn't comfortable living in. Impoverished. Um, just an area that wasn't. <laughs> was it impoverished? <laughs> I wouldn't call it different like, neighborhood. It was in, it was neighborhoods that, that I wasn't comfortable living in, because um, I had I was not an apartment guy. Like I You're always flushing. meaning yeah. I had, to, had to learn how to parallel park. I had to learn how to parallel park. I'm like, what the hell is parallel go. parking? But anyway, so <laughs> randomly, my Eric's gra the grass was made of dirt. Yeah, <laughs> one of my aunts was a real estate agent, so I remember. You know, when my dad was looking for a house, I went with them, and this was in the days when you used to have books where all the real estate stuff was in the book. It yep. was never on a computer. And I would go through the book with her, and I'd be like, oh, let's go see this house. And it was si si kind of cool. So I'm like, let me look for a house. So randomly, I found a house in River Edge, New Jersey, um, and it was a bank-owned house. Okay? So what that means is um, it was already foreclosed on. They already went through the process, they foreclosed on the house, and now the bank owned it. So it's different than a short sale, or it's different than a wholesale. It's, it's already been through the process, and now the bank is selling it. So here's this house. It was $132,000. How much did you have on hand? So I had 40 grand. That's all I had. Okay. The house was trashed. Okay. When I say trashed, like the dining or one of the bedrooms had someone spray painted Marvin the Martian. <laughs> on one of the walls. Everything was trashed. There was blood on the wall. Like it was like <laughs> the people that lived in this house. Apparently this, the kid who lived there got massacred. <laughs> there were like, uh, there was like a pool in the backyard, like one of those above ground Dead pools. Dead dogs in like it. Trashed. The place was trash, trash, trash. So I'm like, oh my God, this is my one and only opportunity. And it was in River Edge, New Jersey, which was, nice. for me, was a, was a really nice um, starter area. Um, and I felt comfortable walking around and, you know, just was right for me. Um, so I overbid everybody. Okay. I think I went in at like 135 and I got this house. And I'm like, oh my God, it was really Did exciting. Did you have to live there? So I had the luxury of still being able to live with my dad for like another six months before, his lease I, before I had a fight with his girlfriend and that turned into, let's run out of the, uh, run out of the place. But so now it's like, okay, I have this Different amazing episode. house. Uh, I couldn't live in the house. The house was trashed. It had rats it had or we don't have rats in river edge but no, there were mice it was everything you could think of was in this house graffiti so fixed it up the bathrooms didn't work whatever so remember i only had eight thousand dollars yeah okay but sweat equity but like omar okay i had credit cards ah okay and because i wasn't a spender i probably had fifty thousand dollars worth of credit cards that were just lingering around there so all of a sudden i was like hell i'm gonna take this and i used this money and that's how i fixed my fixed my house so i turned this house from $135,000 investment to um, my first appraisal, uh, which, which is a whole other story about refi, you get stuck and we'll talk about that another day, but my first appraisal was 250. After within eight months of doing that job, it went to 250. So I literally made all that sweat equity, all that credit card debt, I was able to get all that back. 
Fast forward now, I'm still in my family business and I decide I'm gonna buy, for some reason I now got the real estate bug, I'm gonna buy my first building. So I'm like, where do I get this money? How do I do this? So now my house appraised for $500,000. The same one? Same one. How, okay. how long after? All right, well, I'm lying. Um, <laughs> maybe it appraised. Maybe it appraised. Maybe it appraised for like four hundred, three hundred, okay, whatever. Okay, but it but I was able to more. take out because then I did another refi and I was able to take out two hundred thousand nice. dollars. I took that two hundred thousand dollars out and I bought my first commercial building, and I had no one to advise me. I had no one that had any um, commercial real estate experience. I had my aunt who was a real estate agent, but she wasn't like savvy. She wasn't the savviest, you know, she was very good for her clients, but she didn't really know. She only owned one house, so it wasn't like she had a lot of investment experience or whatever. So you bought a big commercial So I building. bought this building. I had no friggin' idea what I was doing. Um, I did have, I knew how to build a little bit because my family did some, some kind of background in construction, so at least I had that going for me. But I bought this building, had no idea what, it, what I was doing. I bought a single single tenant building, which is the worst thing you can buy. I have learned ever. that from Eric. You yeah. do not want a single tenant building. Why guys, why do you not want a single tenant building? Cap rate destroyer. One month out, here goes yeah. your margins, your cap rate, you gotta carry that place. Mm -hmm. So basically to put it into our language guys, if you don't have anyone in there, you have nothing, like you're not getting any income and right. you have to carry So the pendulum, yourself. right, if you have a $10,000 rent, and you're making $10,000, when that's empty, it's not that you just went back to zero, you're now losing $10,000. Right. So the pendulum swings too much, it is mm -hmm. so freaking dangerous. Now, we're talking about how I made my first million, okay? So while that was freaking so dangerous and so stupid, and um, I did go actually for some advice to non-real estate people, and they all told me I was crazy, so we'll have another discussion on never listen to people that aren't in real estate. I did it anyway. A year after, did they have more money than you? The people you talked to, they did. Okay. They did. So a year after I bought that building, I sold it for, and I bought the building for six, and I sold it for one point three million dollars. Wow! Wow! So that was my start. That's risky, bro. It was you, really you, risky. you jumped in from a, going to two hundred thirty thousand dollar project to a six hundred thousand dollar project. Even I, to this day, avoid six hundred thousand dollar deals. But really? look how, but I did it with small, I did it with small on, chunks. On, on flips, one family houses, I will avoid. You're 500. Yeah. I did it with, my it's first risk. number was 40,000 and my second number was 200,000. So the point is there's ways to get there. So I got there quicker, just by, probably by luck. Quicker, but, but not really. So what I'm hearing is that everyone took steps and just kept on working towards a goal. Like it yeah. wasn't overnight. It's not like no. you made you put money down and then the next day you were like, ha, million dollars. There's no such, you will not have one hot deal which will make you a baller, right? And if you do, God bless, you're gonna lose your money because you didn't earn it, right? Yeah. I don't agree with that. Could be. Well, it depends. Listen, if you made, if, if you may have one deal, and you make a huge commission on it, and it was just by chance, by luck, not by effort, didn't require any requisite knowledge, how are you gonna repeat that? How are you gonna make all the planets yeah. align again? Because yeah. you study it and you learn. I repeated that. I no, no, that but same. that's not what you did. So I'm talking about the people who are sitting there expecting to make one mil off the first rip. Well, I didn't expect that, it happened. So I, I'm not saying go into the project expecting to make a million dollars. You go into a project knowing that your what your what your worst case scenarios are, making a little bit amount of money or, or having a, a small upside or whatever. That's exactly and what then yeah. I just got lucky because I bought in an area that I thought was growing and I felt that it was the right thing. But you didn't have a million dollar rip overnight. You started with a hundred thirty thousand dollar house. Yes. You saved up forty thousand dollars till you got there. What I'm what I'm talking about is the people watching this expecting that we're gonna give you the key to success and you're gonna do one deal and you're gonna be a millionaire. Nope. No. Nobody can give you a key to success. You have to make your own success, but everybody has a different way of making that success. My success, and to me, making a million dollars was successful, but it wasn't really my success because I didn't even realize that I had it. I mean, I had that aha moment where you're like, holy shit, look at all this money. But um, I never physically took possession of the money because I turned around and bought more buildings. Yeah, do you so, like that money in your bank account? I don't. It's cool for that moment you see it, but then all you think, if you're really a, it's if better you're smart, when you have a zero, it's you're, when you zero make it, you're make thinking to yourself, what am I going to put this into next? To make money, yeah. Mm, yes. I don't know about all that. <laughs> that's I, that's I how I was. <laughs> I mean, eventually you want your money to make money, right. so you look at it and say, all right, well, this money's not working for me, so what can I do to reinvest it? It's yeah. all, it's all, it's all about your age. It's all about your experience. 
It's all about where you want to be. Um, when you're young, you do a lot of stupid things. And I've taken a ton of risks at a young age. What I can tell you is that um, I would do it all over again. That's actually something we've, we didn't, none of us said it, but all of us explained in our stories. Every single one of our stories involved taking a risk. Yes. Big time. Right? Yes. And now that I'm thinking about it, because it's funny, when we started the show, we all said a bunch of stuff. The first things that popped in our mind. But I think now that we're actually talking about it, the stuff, if you go back and watch this cast and you listen to what we first said, nothing we're telling you now I think lines up with that. Eric said, you know, dress the part, look the part, spend the part, appear it. But now if you're listening to him, that's not how he achieved the success. It's all about oh, He did the opposite. I didn't give yeah. you all the pieces, right? I still had to go out and get a 600000 or whatever, $400,000 loan. So here I am, a 24-year-old with no commercial, no real estate experience, had to walk into a bank, okay, and get them to loan me whatever it was, four or $500,000. How do you do that? You have to dress the part. If I walked in there with like a ripped T-shirt, no, no, I'm, I, I'm yeah. a proponent of dressing the part. No, I don't. I, let's let's. I, that wasn't what I was saying. I'm actually all for you have to look at. It. I'm yeah. just saying that that's something that comes into play. It is not how you make it exactly right. It's not like you don't go out and overspend before you've done the deal. Like you build yourself up to the point where now you need to legitimize yourself. You have to look the part. You have to dress it. I'm for that. Yes. Like none of you are wearing three piece suits. None of well, you are riding around in bright orange Lamborghinis, and you. <laughs> I wear three pieces all the time. I walk. <laughs> but my suit collection is like my And just remember joy. today with social media, the banks will look you up. Okay. So your loan officer will look you up. If you're on there like smoking weed every day, they're going to be like, I'm not giving this guy money. The banks look at your social media? Oh, yeah. Hey, can I also say why I'm not in a suit too? Because this is funny because I'm actually a suit person. I've worn suits forever. Even when I was younger, like in college, like I love a fine tailored suit. I, I just got why. fat during COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to replace a bunch of like five to $10,000 suits. I just, cause I gain like there, I'd rather not, I'm just going to not eat for the next couple months. You could get a couple fat suits that are you'll, smaller. Yeah, you'll, you'll, I, I, I tried that. It's just depressing cause they don't look as good. You'll eventually see me back in suits, but that'll so be a direct correlation training. between. I, yeah. been I don't like suits. I never want to wear another suit. Oh, I love again. suits. Um, but I'll wear a blazer. Blazer suit. But no, you made a good point as far as, you're right. A lot of us didn't fake it till we make it or take that approach. Mm -hmm. um, personally, what happened is once you get into real estate, you realize that the learning curve is steep and a lot of your time will be spent learning. So if you're out networking, going to happy hour, going to random events to fake it till you make it, what, what are you doing to back that up? You have to have the knowledge. You have to have the experience. What are you talking about at these networking events? Like if, you don't, if you don't have active deal flow, if you, if you don't have the knowledge to have these conversations, all you have is a fake it till you make an image. And that doesn't uh -huh. get you anywhere. And, and, it, and to Eric's point, so guys, listen to Eric's story because Eric's story really is, and he explained in detail the trajectory of how you start young and you build yourself up and you make it. Eric started with being frugal, saving money, did a deal. Now he needs to get real money, big boy money. So he has to start stressing the part, looking at it. But now fast forward to where Eric is today. So he's that middle category of mid-sized deals is when he was faking it. Now he's at a level yeah. where he doesn't give a shit because he doesn't need to. <laughs> no, he's wearing a habitat for goes, humanity. Yeah. He's wearing a full shirt. Well, that's because once you get there, you have to you give have back. To give back so but then you nice. will talk about this. When you reach that next level, right, that's when you can not care. And guess what? When you're at that level, if you're walking around with an old gold this and that, and you're just talking all about what, how much money you have at a, at a certain level, people start thinking to themselves, that maybe you're faking it. Yeah. So well, this, there's, there's three yeah. levels, guys, and you need to listen to what we're saying and put it in the right category. Because at the top level, the last thing I want to do is sit across the table from someone where he talks about all the stuff he has or just bought. It just gets boring. Well, no one likes yeah. a name dropper, and no one likes someone who's just always over the top. Like you want, you rather learn from someone who you know has the experience, yes. has done it. You verify that they've done everything to get there. You don't care if they're actually like wearing a bunch of gold or, you well, know. Gold's not a good example because I've covered it. But I'm talking about <laughs> you know like, I mean? yeah. you don't, don't care, yeah. you don't care yeah, about I'm that. Sound like a big you, king it's, hypocrite it's, here. It's but about about Just don't, don't show up in a Versace shirt. Like, I mean, like what, are you, what are you wearing? What are yeah. you well, I think part of, part of the comments, right? So Omar said about the faking and all that stuff. One of the reasons that we started the, the remix here is because we wanted to be able to share real stories real experiences, yeah. have the direct questions, and, and really tell people what what's out there. You know, we're not here to make connections. We have the connections. You know, we just want to give back. And, you know, 
why I wore the Habitat for Humanity shirt, one of the most amazing things that I've done, and, and I'm- Spilled sangria on your dress shirt before? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I'm surprised <laughs> that, that I only did this when I was like 48. It took me till I was 48 to go do a Habitat for Humanity build. <coughs> Habitat for Humanity is a charity. Um, they're all over the world, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, Omar and I went and we built, we actually put sheetrock up in a house. You built a house. And it was fun and we were with like a bunch of like 10 people, girls and guys, and we just went and we built this house and we spent a whole day there. Um, I think they they brought us lunch. We have great pictures lunch, of you and your your construction hat. hat. Yeah, and it, give a shout out to New World Title for putting that together. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> thank you. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. And um, especially for people that don't know about real estate, like I I could build a house if I wanted to. You should have taken me. That would have been a great experience for we'll, me. We'll do it next month. Can you imagine? Yeah. No, but that the house would not only not get done. <laughs> But everyone would be, no one would be like, so why are you putting that screw there? <laughs> no, I think it'd be a great experience. Maybe. Guys, if you're Let's like me and you yeah. don't know much about what goes into the mechanics of real estate, like mechanics meaning what's a strut, what's a whatever, a screw. A strut is on the car. But whatever. A stud. You get, you get what I mean. Go do Habitat There's for two Humanity. types of studs. The studs that we there's have there's here. There's Eric Anderson. No, but I'm saying go do Habitat yes. because then yeah. you're giving back it's, and you're learning. It's great experience. It gives you a perspective. Yeah. Like, what are you actually buying when you buy a building? Like, mm -hmm. now you get to see. You get to see what a, what a house is built out yeah. of. It was. Oh, I've never done it, so I, I don't think I could. I can't relate. I've never done Habitat. We're going to take you to. Yeah. The yeah. next one we do, we're going to record it, and we're going to show everyone Honestly, I wouldn't do it. I'll donate to Habitat for Humanity, but I won't no, give my no, time. No, 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 let's take a day. We'll drink. So I'm in you the can't drink <laughs> at Habitat. You can drink <laughs> after. Okay. But or your nail will end up like Eric's. So <laughs> I dropped a, a weight on my hand, not a hammer. But anyway. <laughs> but again, it's Habitat. Like, I don't hold hammers anymore. <laughs> no, I, I actually like to to to, to hit a, a nail things. and bang things, but it's fun. But so again, check out Habitat for Humanity. It's a great way to learn. It's a great way to give back. Um, and it'll help you. It'll help you get a perspective. And guys, give back, right? Because yeah. honestly, every time that I've done, like, I donate a lot, and I, you know, every time I do, I just do it because I think that you're morally obligated to. Um, every time I do, I, every single time, I get a really good deal. Yeah, something happens, and okay. it's always when I donate, like, under the table. I don't care about my name being on things. Like, something good always happens in my life, and it tends to be on a business level. I know that sounds ridiculous. No, I'm not a religious it. person. It happens to me too. I'm not a superstitious person, but I can tell you truly that I can relate to every time I've done, I've given, I've gotten back. So that what Nima is basically saying is that thirty thousand that you saved up, give it away. And then that million not dollar deal, give, give away, give, give away five hundred of it, give yeah. away a hundred yeah. of it, right? It, I'm not saying it doesn't matter how much. Go buy some toys and drop it off at a shelter, right? You know, go pack some clothes you have in your house that are something that you're gonna throw out, and just spend that little bit of time and go drop it off to a Salvation Army, right? Just think about others, and the universe will think about you. Agreed. And again, stick with real estate because that's the way to go. What, did you, what, what questions? We, I know we have a ton of well, questions. No, we have, I, I just wanted to bring something up. We have a couple more minutes, and I wanted to bring up how, you know, every, I, we, I just sent you an article that CNN wrote about how there might be a housing bubble. They don't know. What, what do you guys suggest if someone is a real estate agent? So they're making deals, they're selling, they're helping people make transactions to buy or sell houses, and they want to shore up their income. What do you suggest they do using their real estate license? Hmm, great question. So oh they, they, they still want to be a real estate agent. They love what they do, right? And they want to buy a house? No, just saying what, should, what, what else should they be doing to make sure that they are still making money? God forbid there is a bubble. So this goes to the point that Nemo was making earlier. If, if they're a real estate agent and they make a few big checks because we're in a bubble right now, you're gonna struggle once that bubble pops because you don't have the backing or the infrastructure to continue getting leads. So, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> so here, 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 so, so what happens, what I mean is, what happens in every market is when the real estate- I was not in my head, like, yeah, one more, go bro. Then <laughs> you're like, you're yeah, fucked, guys. Your broke ass is out of that apartment you can't afford. One thing, should, okay. people, should people be buying? I mean, I expected you all to say Burrett because Buying a building, everyone's always going to need rentals. They're always going to be in okay. a multifamily building, giving you that residual income. I, but I know, I, I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, I think on one end, Omar saying is, if you're asking that question now, it's probably too late. Um, mm -hmm. The the second That's thing true. is, guys, 
real estate being, and I'm not a real estate agent, so correct me if I'm wrong. It's not a seasonal gig. You ride the wave when it's high. This is yeah. a career. Right. And it, it, like everything, you know, my dad used to, my dad always says, he's got his you know, terms. Like it doesn't always rain. You know, at the end of the day, you, you, you can't be an idiot. Like if you didn't see this coming, then you're an idiot. You should be planning like a squirrel. You should be taking your nuts and stashing them away. And you should have enough cash reserves because you've just ridden the wave of a lifetime, yep. made more money than you will see in quite some time. And that if you spent that cash on cars, watches, jewelry, you upgraded your lifestyle Gold. on a temporary surge, then you're screwed. If not, you're going to make less as a real estate agent. You'll still make a living. You'll have to work harder. Like any business, the economy affects it. But if you've saved up that money, you're going to sit back, wait. You're going to take the talents and the education you learned from this show and your profession as a real estate agent. You're going to take all the things we've taught you. You can either call one of us or you're going to call somebody you know or do it yourself. You're going to find your own real estate projects because when this bubble bursts, yes. that's yeah. a buy cycle. Yeah. You're going to yep. buy, 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 buy everything your money can buy, yep. and if you're going to hold. If the bubble bursts. If, if, if. the bubble It's going to burst. But to, to, <coughs> to give you something actually concrete to do, make yourself relevant. Find someone who needs help. Find a, an investor who has 20 or 30 deals that, that are going constantly. Find one of these millionaires that Omar was talking about that is looking for all these wholesale deals. Yes. And make yourself invaluable to that person. Be their right-hand man. Every time they have something to rent, rent it for them. Every time they have something to sell, sell it for them. Help them do their refis. Come up with ways to make yourself valuable where you can still earn. And, and that person doesn't want to shop around. They would love for you to handle it because they're busy doing other stuff. So what I've heard also from you guys is that I know each of you eats, breathes, you know, sleeps in the world that you're in and that you really need to, to get in there you all network, which I hate networking, but you all network. You all uh, stay abreast of what's going on. I hate Can we too. say a funny story? Go ahead. Oh, no. We have so three minutes. Eric, Eric and I were, this is just funny. Eric's my brother. I, I, everyone here I love, right? I'm good friends with everyone. Um, and obviously I'm very loyal to Eric as an agent, but I work with other agents and, and as well. It's who's got deals. We were, no, <laughs> we were, I was with Eric and a couple other uh, of his agents. We were at a bar all together. And Eric turns around in the middle of it and he hears me building an entirely new relationship with someone who is tentatively in the real estate game, may have access to projects. He laughed about it and told the agent that I was working with, you just lost your customer, right? Because he can appreciate that. <laughs> because this just goes to the context of that networking, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about finding deals. And this is a funny experience. I was going to talk about it with him afterwards. So we laugh about it. You're always looking. We're always looking, yeah. right? Keep your ears open. To your point, stay relevant, find, stay on your game. Find that investor. Find someone. Don't just say this is my network. I'm I'm good enough. I'm full. No, yeah. Stay hungry. And, and Adele wanted to know what kind of things new real estate agents should be doing. And that networking piece is huge, right? Networking is huge. Listening. Listen to the conversations. Go to Starbucks and have a coffee. Sit in the corner and listen. Look at who's driving in the new cars. Follow somebody. Follow. Go. Go look for new construction. Oh, follow me. I'm calling the cops. On you. <laughs> <laughs> go, to, You've done that before. You, I, I you follow have people, people all the time. Go. Mm -hmm. Go. Go to new construction projects and go see who's on the job. Go talk to the contractors. Make yourself relevant to people. Talk to to these builders at these networking events. Talk to people that are looking for stuff. You don't have to have something. You just have to know a little bit about something. So if you're going to a networking event that's talking about new construction, go go learn about five new construction projects in the area that you can rattle Talk off about. all kinds of information about them. It doesn't mean that you know what you're doing. It just means that you know that. And it gives you enough information to create relevance to that person and have a conversation where then you can go to the next level when they ask you for, for help or a question and you can learn more and, and move forward. And don't forget because we're running out of time. I promised everyone a couple of shows ago on this flip that I'm doing in, uh, it's in, it's in uh, Culver Lake in Branchville. That's right. Yeah, that I will give whoever follows the guidelines you guys set up before it hits the MLS and becomes a bidding we war. We do. We have one person who emailed in and was like, they want to be a part of that. Right. So I will give more than one person. our that viewers that was the yeah. one from yesterday, yeah. yeah. Dibs on putting in an offer before it hits the MLS. Info and at recareercenter.com. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we're going to iron out the terms of that, but probably within the next 30 days, um, it'll if things go well and we get the pool opened up, it'll be on the market. Um, but before it lists on the MLS, whoever is a subscriber, you know, you yep, have, to, have subscribe. to be a subscriber. You have to be a subscriber to both the Instagram as well as the YouTube channel. 
um, and Spotify. If you are a subscriber to all three of those, um, then he'll give you the house. <laughs> no, I <laughs> no, won't. No, no. But you will be able to bring your your clients there. Won't be on the MLS, and you can you can be fancy. You can tell them, listen, I've got an off market property, and you can we can we can have a dib at it. So you look good, guys. Subscribe YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are all there. What do you want to say? Remember. You too can visualize it and you can have it. You can build it. So if you visualize your million dollars, you'll be a millionaire. Thank you, Nima. Thank you, Omar. Thank Eric you, Noel. Noel. Bye, guys. Next time. <laughs> <laughs>